Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Hello and welcome to this series four, episode eight of Out with Susie Ruffle. As ever, I need to start the podcast by saying a huge thank you to all of you that got in touch after last week's episode and all of you that listened to last week's episode. It seemed that loads of you really enjoyed the Adam Kay episode. I did too. Uh, So thank you if you got in touch and thanks if you just listened. Uh, I've got another brilliant episode coming up for you today. Kirsty Gilmore, who is a uh, Olympian who I loved chatting to. And I think you're going to really enjoy that. But before that, as always, we have some wonderful listener emails. Okay, let's get started here. Hi, Susie. I'm Charlie. I'm a 24-year-old queer woman from South East London who now lives in the lovely seaside town of Deal in Kent. I thought I'd get in touch because listening to your podcast led me to, to discover Queering the Map, which in turn has led me to having quite a profound realisation. Side note, Queering the Map was something that another listener emailed in to let us know about. Uh, If you Google it, you'll find out. um, Basically, people can put little notes where in the world they've had little queer moments, first loves, heartbreak, all sorts of things. But it's all over the world and it's incredible. So I highly recommend that. It's called Queering the Map. Right, back to the email. When I was exploring my hometown on the map, I decided to write my experiences by my little house in Earth on the grounds of Earth School where I attended in my teenage years. While I did this, it occurred to me that although I had told myself that I had only realised I was queer whilst at university, I had actually known since I was around 13. I realised that for so long growing up, I had played the world's greatest ally, arguing with anyone that was horrible about or to queer people, debating gender and sexual politics with my peers, and even actively seeking to make friends with queer people. For so long, I allowed myself to essentially hide in plain sight, shouting about how valid it was to be anything other than straight and cisgendered, while somehow not cutting myself the same slack. I remember being called out by some of my friends at a party once when I was 16. They interrogated me with questions about who I was attracted to, whether I was sure that I was absolutely straight, and they assigned labels to me, like bisexual and queer. I think they might have thought they were being nice, but these were words I was not ready to adopt just yet. So their attempts to help me felt like an attack. My response, whenever this topic came up, was always, I am what I am, I don't need to label myself, ever the activist. I remember crying in front of my mum and dad when I got home from the party, drunk at one in the morning, as they told me they loved me and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Even if I was anything other than straight, they loved me nonetheless. And yet, somehow, knowing that I would be accepted by my family and friends, I still couldn't say it. 
I carried on into sixth form and uni with the same I don't do labels attitude, avoiding further questioning at all cost. However, in my final year of my course, I felt I couldn't avoid it anymore. And I played around with telling people that I was a lesbian. Although any of my friends who watched Game of Thrones with me knew how attracted I was to Grey Worm. So that didn't feel right. I then went with bisexual, but I didn't like that either. Eventually in lockdown, having moved back to my parents' house and after watching Daniel Levy's wonderful performance in Schitt's Creek, I realized I was pansexual. I like the wine, not the label. I finally felt I could come out because I had an idea of what I was. But also I realized the I am what I am attitude that I'd always adopted was great. It wasn't allowing me any room to celebrate my queerness, which I now realize is something I desperately need to do to fully accept who I am. I now celebrate my queerness as much as, my, as I can. I've been to every Kent Pride this year, as well as being an active member of the Dover Pride core team. Big up Dover Pride. And I've started developing a drag king persona and have made so many wonderful, supportive, like-minded friends, clang, in Dover, who have made it so much easier for me to settle into my new hometown and be 100% authentically me. Thank you for helping me navigate my feelings towards my queerness and to all your guests for telling their stories. So many people will and have benefited from it. Thank you so much for that, Charlie. It, I got the email and then a couple of days later, you followed it up by saying, oh my God, I can't believe that I sent this before listening to Adam All's episode. What a legend. I'm so excited to hear from them. Um, yes, I'm sure you'll love Adam All's episode because they are also a drag king. So I, uh, I really hope that you enjoyed that one. Thank you so much for reaching out and getting in touch. Um, I loved your email. I think you're absolutely right sometimes. It takes us a little while to get ready to say what we are out loud and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm really pleased that you enjoyed finding Queering the Map, me too. If you haven't had a chance to look at that yet, I highly recommend it, it's really great. Uh, thank you, Charlie. Okay, let's go on to another email. This one's called Short Time Listener, First Time Writer. Hi Susie, I must admit I'm pretty new to the podcast. I've considered myself an LGBT plus ally for some time but have always thought I should leave queer spaces to queer people. I've sought out this podcast a few weeks ago, realizing I might in fact be one of those people. I made a beeline for the Jess Foster Q episode because I knew a little of her story and the context, and I thought it would help to hear what I could relate to. Her advice at the end, for anyone in the same position, to take note of those feelings and just let them build, not to squash them, but also not to worry about making radical life choices straight away, made me cry. It's remarkable how much it's made me realise that it's not too late to have this all figured out, either in terms of age or in terms of an existing relationship, which will be so sad if that ends, but I still deserve to give myself the best shot, whatever and whoever I think I might become or realise about myself later down the line. Please pass on my thanks to Jess for making me feel a little less torn apart in a really difficult week. I'm going to leave that one anonymous because I think that's the best thing to do. Um, I passed on your message to Jess. Uh, I think Jess's episode is one that comes up so frequently that people talk to me about when I meet them or email in about uh, Jess is so wise and she's so brilliant. She's such a dear friend of mine. And uh, I think that, yeah, a lot of what she has to say in the podcast about her journey is, is really important. And taking your time and not putting a limit on yourself when and when you should do anything is really really important it's a different journey for everyone and that's that's great that's that's brilliant 
Okay, let's move on to today's brilliant conversation with Kirsty Gilmore. I really hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Let's go to that conversation with an Olympian now. Hello, listener. So many of you have written in and asked again and again and again and again for out sports stars. So I am delighted to be joined today by Kirsty Gilmore, an out Olympian. She's the youngest ever badminton player to attend the Commonwealth Games for Scotland, and she has twice represented Team GB at the Olympics and is a two times Commonwealth and European medalist. I'm very excited to chat to her today and maybe even convince her into giving me a lesson at some point. Welcome to the show, Kirsty. Hi, it's nice How to be you? here. Yeah. I'm- tired but good isn't that always the way sure yeah so where are you 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 have wet hair because you've just got off the court i mean i don't know if i've ever spoken to someone that's just got off the court in a professional capacity so where are you Uh, i'm at my home in glasgow so yeah based up here and yeah just come off court this morning it was kind of a 1v1 tactical kind of session and then a few points at the end so kind of match style play and then I had 45 minutes on the bike to do and here we are. Wow so how much of your life do you spend playing badminton? Probably well I started when I was four uh, so I but now I probably play about set between 15 and 20 hours depends what kind of week it is uh, per week plus maybe between five and ten hours of like conditioning or weights and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah pretty full time so you first picked up a badminton racket when you were four so my dreams of becoming a a professional badminton player it's probably quite unlikely now at 35 well not with that actually but (laughs) (laughs) great this is the kind of encouragement i need yeah yeah no 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 well yeah i mean normally it is one of those sports that you just need to you need to play for a long time. I'm not saying you can't start it kind of <laughs> you know later in your life, um, but even I would say even if you're starting 15, 16, that's probably a little bit too late. Um, yeah. Just because it's such a skill based sport, mm. but but that's also kind of what I love about it is that like it's skill based, but it's also physical, but it's also mental, but it's also tactical. You can never complete it all. You're never mm. you're never perfect at any one of these these bits but it's trying to get the right balance of all of these bits and it keeps mm. it bloody interesting every day yeah absolutely so you grew up in Glasgow yeah 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 all my life and you first picked up a badminton racket when you were four so it's badminton in your family yeah so the spiel is my dad was a uh, the national junior coach for kind of under 15 my uncle was a former internationalist now a coach uh, and my mum needs me to mention that she has a Scottish schools title in mixed doubles as well. Right, okay, so like it was predestined that you were going to play. It was in my blood for sure, but also I got the opportunity to try like all the sports. Like Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I flitted around karate, dabbled in tennis, did a good bit of gymnastics. And then I really had to kind of decide between football and badminton about kind of when I went to high school, mm-hmm. but then I went to the Glasgow School of Sport, and that kind of solidified that I would that I would play badminton because you have to choose one of five sports. So you have badminton, gymnastics, athletics, swimming, and hockey. So the Glasgow School of Sport is that like are you? Is that like actual school? That's like actual school, yeah. So so you go and then you specialize in a 
in a sport one of those five sports yeah so you get a you get a reduced curriculum so it's attached to a school called bell houston academy and you can go to bell houston academy without going to the school of sport but when it comes to your exams in kind of fourth year standard grades for us scots or back in the Mm -hmm. day it's all changed now bloody hell kids talking nat fives and what's not um (laughs) so yeah you get we i think i did six whereas everyone else did eight and for hires or a levels i did three each of my last years where you would normally do five each of your last years because you were focusing so much on sport yeah just because i had to get that balance between or it's just nice to have that allowance of okay you're going to be spending your evenings with three hours of training where everyone else is going to be having that time to study and do homework and yeah things. so just the, the schoolwork is reduced slightly so that you can you know make a, a really good go of of your sport and so you went there at 11 is that when you go up to yeah pretty well i think i was just turning 12 12 till 17 for high school so that would have been like mid 90s um, no, early 2000s. Early 2000s, come on. No, please. Yeah, come on. Sorry, you're. I keep forgetting that she's younger than me, guys. It's very upsetting. Five, 2005 till 2011. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, okay, that's about the time that I was at drama school. So, yeah, I am a bit older. It's fine. <laughs> what did Glasgow... Like, so we've got loads of international listeners. Can you give us, like, a picture of what Glasgow looked like then? I need to say Glasgow if I'm talking to, some, to a Glaswegian rather than Glasgow. 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 Um, <laughs> Susie no. McCabe would be very angry with me saying Glasgow. I need to say Glasgow. Well, okay, my, sorry, go on. my mum is uh, Edinburgh, so uh, who incidentally went to the same school as my girlfriend. So it's a very small Scottish world. Very small Scottish world. Yeah. Um, albeit about 40 years apart. Sorry. Sure. I was going to ask. But I didn't <laughs> like to make it. You know, I don't like to make sense. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, my um, time in Glasgow has been great. I mean, I lived kind of just outside the like city centre. So I was, would always travel in each day. I'd get two trains to school. I think that was great for me. It gave me, you know, I may have learned a lot of life lessons and had to kind of, you know, be have my head relatively screwed on so that was that mm-hmm. was pretty good um and then my my biggest memory like if someone was if i was to describe glasgow i would love to take someone to the commonwealth games in 2014 because i just think glasgow came alive for that i think the people that were thought they were going to moan about it your taxi drivers your bus drivers mm-hmm. and everyone that was going to be all oh, the road closures and they're just all these people Glasgow was a light. There was food first. It wasn't even just about the sport. The sport was amazing, don't get me wrong, but like there was food festivals, music festivals, comedy festivals, art festivals in the city centre. The weather was so good for the first week, the second week. We don't need to stop. <laughs> uh, and if I could show someone a Glasgow, it would be that week. And there's still definitely like remnants of that. Like we've held on to the Commonwealth Games in terms of that, that legacy really, really well. And were you representing? Scotland yeah at yeah, those games yeah so that was my second game so I got to go to the Delhi Commonwealth Games in 2010 and my job there was to play as much badminton as possible I was entered into the singles doubles and the mixed which is you don't really play all three just they right, all okay. kind of require a different skill set so I was entered in all three and it was just like go and play spend as much time on court as you can mm-hmm. and then and this was when you were the youngest yeah. to ever be selected I had just turned 17 for I've been mm-hmm. 17 for two weeks so wow. I was literally the baby on that team uh, yeah I bet yeah I didn't really know what was going on and then cut to 2014 so four years later and I'm, I'm seeded number two 
and it's in my home city I'm 20 because it was a little bit earlier in the year mm-hmm. so um yeah I was, I was 20 and uh yeah managed to win a silver in probably like the most spectacular fashion I think I could have ever won like guaranteed myself a medal uh, so that's like if there's like a career highlight that one kind of always kind of sneaks in and the like the reel in your head that you do yeah that's like the moment where the music swells pretty much yeah it's like the the montage leads to that moment <laughs> sure 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 I get that in your family setup is it just is it you your mum your dad do you have siblings yeah I have a big sister is she sporty she has the capability of being sporty and very like very naturally athletic the minute there's more than two people watching shut down shut right, okay. like does not want to be in front of a crowd um and like we're, we're really similar in a lot of ways um but that is one way that we're completely different because i clearly don't mind being in front of a couple, yeah. couple thousand people that's all right sure i get a kick out of it too no worries i completely understand where you're coming well from. don't you think that like before you go on stage or you're going to be called onto court that you could choose to be like thinking about all the things that could go wrong but then you can also just be like what if this is amazing like what if everything yeah, goes right. what if everything goes right and i nail this and this is such a good chance for me to show off and be like, guys, yeah, I know I train 30 hours a week and I miss a lot of things and I'm away for a lot of stuff and I miss stuff. But like, this is why, because like, what, like, this is going to be good. Like, trust me. Yeah. When people ask about like dealing with nerves and stuff, I often sort of imagine, and this is like what a therapist told me to do actually, but like, I imagine having a really great gig. Yeah. I sort of like see myself on, say mm-hmm. like, you know, a massive stage, like a, a West End theatre or something like that, where there's like, I sort of imagine what it would feel like to have a great gig and imagine doing my set and it all going really, really well. Um, do you do a similar thing with games? Definitely, yeah. I kind of picture how I want it to turn out. And then sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes it is useful for me to picture everything going wrong and how I will deal with it. I also allow myself to do that sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the best things I ever... Uh, had was like it was the world championships in glasgow in 2017 at the emirates arena and just going about my day i've played in that arena a lot so that's where the commonwealth games was and that's where we had the scottish open every year so mm-hmm. i've of all the players in all the world i've played in that arena the most right okay so just going about my day you know park the car walking up to the front look up there's a 30 foot high decal on the side of the emirates arena of chen long former world champion olympic medalist fine other side me and i was just like no one told me that was happening bloody (laughs) hell and then i had to talk with my psychologist simon at the time and we came up with a really good thing of it's not what this situation is going to do to you it's what you're going to do with this situation that's a great way of looking at just because for the pressure do you have like a sports psychologist that you talk to i mean it may come as a huge shock to all of the listeners but I don't play any professional sports. But um, do you have someone that like you go through that stuff with like a, a psychologist, like when you've got big matches or you're coming up to something like a championship? Yeah, so it won't just be for big matches. It'll be like everything. Um, my psychologist, I would really? say, is just like a really person to, like with, your, with my coach, I tend to try to be quite positive and quite like logical and these are the things that we're going to do. And then sometimes with my... I'll, do that part and like right okay let's do this i go to my psychologist like, i'm shitting myself like right you help me please um and other times i'm like i'm totally ready so um mm. yeah so i have a, that psychologist for that kind of thing and then 
the Scottish Institute of Sport are just incredible in that like taking care of mental health and stuff as well so I actually have another psychologist that I don't talk to really about sport at all um I was just having like a really hard time in kind of 2017 18 19 because just feeling quite isolated because I was kind of doing the bigger tournaments by myself like with no coach and really feeling just really feeling lonely and being away for literally six months of the year I did the maths uh, literally wow. six months that's a lot to be by yourself organizing training and sparring partners and transport and flights and everything by myself and it was uh, not hugely nice so I'm um, just rolling is on that because that. it's not a sport like that's as big as something like tennis in that it's so much smaller that you don't have this sort of team around you yeah is it like a funding thing it is kind of a funding thing and also just the way that we're set up kind of differently from tennis we're kind of like national. sorry i know tennis is like a really like ham-fisted comparison no but it's 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 a good one it's kind of always like a benchmark for us and where we could get to but we are fundamentally set up differently in that we function on like national governing bodies and whereas tennis is kind of more independent from like a a national governing body we so we i function under badminton scotland and they enter me in all the tournaments whereas i think in tennis Mm -hmm. you enter kind of yourself or your team enters you i guess funding and that i share a coach I don't have a personal coach I share my coach with the 16 other people in the Scotland team so right. you know I would love for them just to come away with me all the time but it leaves 15 people yeah. well we have three coaches but uh, yeah it leaves the rest uh, kind of out at sea and so did you come from like a because I know like I obviously know quite a bit about Scotland because I have often spent a month of the year there for the last six years like I know that there's quite a lot of differences like when it comes to sort of religion in Scotland whether you're sort of a Protestant or a Catholic do were you sort of aware of that growing up or did you did your family sort of align with a particular side of the church um yeah I was raised like completely Roman Catholic uh, so my primary school uh, definitely first Friday mass uh, prayers uh, when we arrived before lunch after lunch before we went home that's a lot of praying it takes takes up some day but yeah <laughs> yeah and then so we did the whole first confession first communion confirmation that yeah. was as far as I, I got and then my dad does the driving force behind that from his kind of side of the family come as no sure. shock to anyone that knows what that means for a football team alignment yeah yeah sure um, it's Celtic <laughs> yeah so I did and I uh, when we kind of got older my dad kind of if you want to continue with this, you can. It's your choice. We're not going to force it. I didn't really understand the whole maybe sectarian element to it until I wanted a Celtic top. And my dad said, no, you. I don't want you to be wearing that and be a target for anything. I mean, I'm not saying it would have happened, um, but just there was just that little bit of protection. Um, yeah. And what that could mean. Yeah, it's like a way of sort of like loudly saying who you are in the street, isn't it? Yeah. I support Celtic now because after I interviewed Susie McCabe, she sent me a scarf and a keychain and uh, a couple of other bits, which I've been told I have to wear. That was such a good episode. I remember I was listening to that and I was just like, I am learning so much about Glasgow. (laughs) Yeah, she's great, isn't she? What a dream. When you went over to the Glasgow School of Sport... That sounds really exciting. Like, did you have to like, 
Did you have to show them how good you were at sports to get in? Um, yeah, there is like a little kind of, uh, well, you apply and then yeah. they'll they'll know of you because the coaches, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively talk. small badminton world. Yeah, the coaches talk. But they also do give people the chance who have never held a racket before or never held oh, a wow. hockey stick, never run at all. But you'll have like kind of, I don't know if they're called like talent days or something where you can come along. But they're really a chance to see whether like you're a good listener, you're a good learner. Mm-hmm. Will you be able to concentrate and all those kind of things? I was already winning kind of under under ten and under twelve tournaments, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah. And then you kind of start into first year, and, and along with your whole immersion into high school, you've also got like a bit more of a structure to your your badminton as well. Yeah, and it must have been like from a really early age, like having an understanding of like the dedication it must take. To have a career in sports yeah and I think they do a really good job of kind of showing you all the elements to it that you don't start learning like you just don't start doing weights programs that like when you're 11 or 12 that's too young mm. um yeah. but you start learning like their techniques or just like muscular endurance to prepare you for the olympic lifts and things later yeah and even down to like kind of a little bit of psychology here and there a little bit of nutrition here and there and so all the tools are there at your disposal just up to you how you choose to use them were you at this school when you realized that you might not be straight was it uh, yeah that's quite a common time for those feelings to sort of develop I guess yeah definitely I think I was in a group of of friends where it just started to become so much more apparent that I was just a little bit different we didn't like the same things and I've never really been a girly girl but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're anything other than straight I suppose Mm -hmm. totally but I mean for me it was like the absolute stereotype of whatever the word tomboy means Uh, that was that was me 100% that was me easy from even from when I would go clothes shopping with my mum it would be like oh where's Kirsty she's in the boys department she wants that rugby shirt (laughs) yeah right yeah and then just like non-uniform days we obviously had uniforms you'd want to wear this thing but you would just like not quite have the confidence you kind of have to tone it down from what you really did want yeah. to wear um no i totally get and you really tried to like when i was at high school the trend was like you know those like leggings that ended just below the knee but with a skirt yeah. on top right yeah terrible look if we're honest honest let's look. never go back to that but yeah let's not yeah it's so funny now that i think back like i think my fashion has come like completely full circle i've gone back to like baggy jeans t-shirts and i wear caps now i'm a hat wearer <laughs> so you've gone full circle back to teenager yeah i think so yeah i'm supposed to be growing up and becoming more uh, adult and i've just gone nah i had it right when i was 13 i think that's good i think sometimes you just know who you were from an early age yeah and so were people out at your school was it a place where people could be out or was it or was that sort of thing not discussed I think there was probably like a couple of older boys over at the main school which is what we called mm-hmm. it if you didn't go to schools but it was the main school uh, and they were quite I don't know if they were fully out but they were quite evidently camp sure and they traditional were, weren't hiding it yeah yeah and then I don't know what it is about uh like team sports why gay women tend to gravitate towards them but maybe some of the older hockey players were just you know testing the water of probably coming out and obviously my years would 
prick up if there was like a mention of that. But that's a, that is interesting. I see what you've done there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and then probably yeah, towards the end of my schooling, so when I was 16, 17, pushing 18, it was definitely something that I was very aware that I would have to figure this part out about myself. But I also was like, had that thought of like, no one's actually, no one actually sits their parents down and has like the conversation. That's just in movies. And then it started to be, no, I'm gonna have, oh God, my fa- we don't really, you know, well, I don't know if many families have many, I'm sorry, I need to talk to you moments. But yeah. I, I knew that was on the horizon, even though I was like in a lot of denial that it would have to happen. <laughs> And like during that time, you're already playing sports at like a really high level, like as high as you can get. Was it like an added stress for you that you had to think about this extra thing that other people didn't have to consider? I don't think so. I think everyone's got kind of big life things going on at the mm-hmm. same time. Probably one of the things I've had to figure out over the years, and I probably have to do it all the time, is, is how, how best I feel comfortable on court with what I wear and how I present myself. Right, okay. Up until about 2013, I think I saw a picture from 2013, I was still wearing like a skirt on court. So the skirt with like the shorts underneath, that kind of outfit. Long hair, loads of bracelets. And then I switched to shorts, but with like sports socks. So like ones below the ankle. And now I've just like, now I'm in a place where I like to wear shorter shorts, but longer socks. I've cut my, I've got my hair short now, so I kind of go for the half up, half down. So yeah, uh, just like a little, that's always like an evolution of how do I feel most comfortable on court? Because you occasionally will have to play for like uh, a team and I'll, you'll have to wear the, the like prescribed kit. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I hate this, or I might love it, but sometimes you're just like, I hate what do I have to Do you play better when you're wearing what you like I would say so it's just one less thing to think about so uh, mm. I remember it was a few years ago we got given it was for a Scotland qualifier thing for the Europeans we got given this like polo shirts I, ju- I just hate polo shirts so much it makes me feel like we're what is this the 90s I, oh, I, I hate it so much it's just uh, it's around my neck and face and I just Nope. Yeah. So it's stupid things like that. Um, but also there was actually a thing a couple of years ago, maybe around 2012, 2013, in that BWF, not to rag on BWF, but a quick aside. So for, for the BWF, for people that don't know, the Babington World Federation? Nailed it. No. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, nailed it. Yes. Um, yeah, I can read. <laughs> so they tried to bring in a rule that said that women at a certain level of tournament up had to wear skirts to compete. And there was, understandably, massive pushback from that. Yeah. Um, if you're going to make the women wear skirts, you might as well, well, why aren't you making the men wear skirts? Like, well, sure. you, why are we prescribing one and not the other? So, I mean, I think that got quashed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're a pretty lucky place that there's a lot of kind of variation in, of styles and across bands. And you're really allowed that little element of like individuality. It's really nice. That's really great. And so when you came to to sort of, did you have to make a decision to sort of come out yeah. as, as like a sports person? Because I know that like, if you look at like your Twitter and stuff, you've got your pronouns and you've got different things that like, I was about to say to the gay eye, but I'm not sure that sort of sounds a bit handmaid's tailing, <laughs> but to, to that, that like, you know, a fellow queer person might go, I'm, I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. I'm reading what you're putting down here. 
But was there a moment where you thought, oh, I do need to, not even necessarily do it in like a public way, but like within your sort of world of badminton that you felt you had to sort of address your sexuality? Yes, just because I, well, I just wanted to be more open and just, I think we're in the age of like social media and like if you were going to post stuff, like you have to find what you're comfortable with posting. But also like if I'm going to post something, I just want it to be all parts of me. Uh, And I think it's just like gradual, like turning up of a dial of that over time. And even then I wouldn't say that I'm like completely like explicitly out there but like you say like I'll I'll put little little subtle things so that if anyone was maybe looking for you know, reading it a certain certain way then those little signifiers would be there but like this is the first kind of interview that I've ever done that's not how was your game who who are you playing right. next um it's so to be sitting here talking about did I know I was gay at school this is new to me. Oh, well, thanks for chatting to me and allowing me to, I mean, share your story. Is that what I'm trying to say? Something like that. Sure. But I no, I appreciate you being so open because I guess it's something that, like, you know, within the sports community, we talk about it a lot about sort of people being out or people being visible. And I'm wondering whether when you were growing up or certainly like when you were at your, when you were at your school, were you looking up to like not necessarily just badminton players, but sports stars or, you know, athletes that were gay. Were you sort of seeking them out? Because I know that I was for people that were like actors or stand-ups or people that were in the sort of creative industry. I was like looking constantly to try and find someone that I aligned with so that they could, so them being there could sort of tell me that I could have the life that I wanted. Mm-hmm. No, uh, to be honest, I didn't really? really have that at all. Only maybe when I got like, into the circuit it's always kind of if you know them personally and it's such a small band in the world you kind of mm-hmm. know everyone personally then you would know but no one really is a is like a loud advocate uh within many of the sports that i fall certainly not really badminton i but i do really appreciate there's um two danish recently retired danish uh, women's doubles players who have released a book so it is out in the open and they're, they're quite open on their on their instagram and everything that they've they've been together for years now they're married they have a they have a daughter amazing and they played together they play they were a partnership together for denmark so wow. um camilla richard yule and christina pedersen and i was really lucky to play in a in my Danish club with them last season. And just to be around people that are just comfortable or have become comfortable and become comfortable with being openly out, is, mm-hmm. is that was really cool. And we didn't even talk about it at all, but just to be around someone and be able to go, how's your daughter? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's really nice. Yeah, it is. And it's just sort of, it just sort of does that thing of normalizing, normalizing your yeah, experience. Definitely, yeah. I appreciate I'm someone that does sort of shout about my sexuality on stage, but it, it's I, it's because it's normal to me. I don't feel like I'm talking about my sexuality. I feel like I'm talking about my life Definitely. and trying to be funny. And I think that's the thing that, I mean, that is when we'll have real equality, when people don't really take in the fact that I'm talking about being a gay woman. They're just being like, she's a woman that's funny. Yeah, exactly. And I think I've definitely found that in my in my like personal life in the last kind of five years or so, maybe longer. Um, I think it came out when I was like 19, so nine years. And just like, it's so normal now. And that I think, I don't think my, par- my parents have never had a problem with it, but I think it's just like a new bit of language you have to start using. Sure. And like, how do you tell your friends about your daughter's 
girlfriend <laughs> and like yeah it's just not it doesn't flow right at the start but now it's absolutely absolutely normal it's it's a nice now it's real nice now yeah, my mum went through a phase of using the word partner, but when she said it, it always made Alice sound like a cowboy. Oh, sure, Like, sure. partner. Like, okay, or that, like, Alice was working in a law firm. Yeah. Like, not that my mum was trying to do that, but I couldn't help but hear it like that because she, she was trying so hard to get the partner word right that she was saying partner in quite a strange way. Sure. Because she was thinking about it. I'll always um, give people but, the benefit of the doubt. It's quite hard to say girlfriend in, in a Scottish accent. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't roll off. The yeah, time. that's true, actually. Girlfriend. Yeah, it's tricky. It is. It's like that thing. What is it? Spice Girls. Uh, sounds yeah. like. Oh, what is it? Spice Girls. Uh, is, oh, it does. It sounds like um, space something. Oh, it's Space Ghetto. Space Thanks, ghetto. Emma, the producer. Space Girl. If you say it in a. Uh, American accent, Southern American accent. It sounds like Spice Girls in uh, Scottish, I think. Right, okay. (laughs) Hello, Tom Allen here. And Susie Ruffle. We have a podcast called Like-Minded Friends. It's very much a celebration of, I don't know, what would you say, Suze, being queer? Being queer, but also chit-chat. There's loads of straight people that love it, so... I think that you should come along and listen to it. There's something for everybody. It's been described as white noise for gays, but also we had a lovely section about Glade plugins. <laughs> so why don't you listen to it? Search Like Minded Friends wherever you get your podcasts. That sounded quite professional, didn't it? Mm. So seeing as this is sort of one of your first interviews you've done about being out, is it, is it something that's important to you? for sort of younger kids that are coming through in the sporting world or like looking up to you that they sort of get a full picture of who you are? Yeah, I think so. And just because I think, like I say, I think that's the age that we're living in now. And it's not just kind of about the athlete, like people could easily message you on social medias and everything now. And yeah, if, if, like I say, I didn't really have, I didn't have that kind of access uh, to people when I was younger and I didn't really have those role models to look up to in terms of like gay role models and within sport so if I if I can be that to one little kid that fancies playing badminton and that is like a insecure aspect of themselves if that gives them like an inch more confidence then that's bloody cool that's really cool and it's even nice like within the squad and within the badminton community you know I hope it you know makes it the next person easier to come out and because it's not a, a new thing did it feel like a new thing when you came out a little bit yeah because yeah. like you know first in the family i'm not sure if you were you first in your family yeah yeah oh yeah and you're oh, just yeah. like so this thing's happening now guys uh let's mm-hmm. all get on board because it ain't going away <laughs> <laughs> i hope that's exactly how you came out oh yeah like, one yeah. To a family barbecue <laughs> <laughs> with a glitter gun yeah proud flags yeah absolutely yeah, <laughs> and so what's next for you at the moment I know that you're like training all the time but what's what are you doing next yeah so this I, I can't wait for this week to be over so the last week and this week have been red weeks so that's just like you're just gonna die like tough training yeah so it's, it's it's good in terms of like you get to eat absolutely anything i really don't right. have to think about that at all eat all the time uh but next week is a nice green week so i think actually I have monday off which is whew, wow we'll take that but we're building up to the uber cup so uber cup sorry is the women's team champs so right and the Thomas Cup is the men's team champs, but we didn't manage to qualify a team for that. All tournaments are mixed for badminton, so all tournaments will have men's singles, ladies' singles, men's doubles, ladies' doubles, and mixed. 
all events mm-hmm. together. But Thomas and Uber Cup are just like a little bit separate. They happen at the same time in the same hall. But so each team that you'll play against another country and you'll play three singles and two doubles against that country. Um, and this is the first time we've ever qualified a team to like the world stage. So because we got a bronze medal in for the last tournament before lockdown in February 2020 right. we got a bronze medal at the European stage so that qualifies you for the world stage so we've got that uh, the next week is Denmark Open the week after that's the French Open the one after that's the uh, tournament in Germany wow it's full on it's bananas sometimes yeah that's that's a particularly intense bit I would say um, and then there are two tournaments happening in Indonesia in Bali don't get too excited. It's yeah. going to be under like the strict back to super strict protocols, like food to your right, door. Yeah. So uh, we're we're waiting to hear whether that's actually going ahead or not. Uh, and then we've got the World Championships in December, which we would never normally have an Olympic Games and a World Championships in the same year, but pushbacks, postponements, all that yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. So that's in the south. So of Spain. a lot coming up. Yeah, a lot coming up. But I feel like in a very good place. I'm like kind of excited for it which is a nice almost new feeling because I think in the past you just you go ahead you just do it and it's one tournament after another where am I going to put yeah. my focus I've got something else next week but I'm I feel really fit right now um I feel like I'm in a good place so when I feel fit everything else usually comes together for me that just really gives me a yeah. good confidence for for the rest of it so um yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited for that did you find sort of lockdown useful for you as an athlete because I'm sure you still trained but having like less sort of I guess I guess tournaments weren't happening and having sort of less like career points to get to did it give you like a moment to reflect a thousand percent yeah and Mm. I would probably credit it to me and my girlfriend went on our first date on February 28th and we went into lockdown on March 23rd so um yeah, we, we got to spend some really like nice, good time together. I wouldn't have had that if, if I was off travelling the world, uh, away mm. for three weeks, home for two, away for one, yeah. back for two, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it gave me a chance to just like stop for a second, make sure I still love badminton. I do as it happens uh, so yeah then like the basement of uh, the basement car park of my building I looked like a lunatic like if people walked past on the way to their cars I was like doing like shadow movements so like you just pretend there's a shuttle and you just like like pretend that you're playing badminton and just kind of mark out the size of a court and, and do all your movements it's to watch it looks fucking stupid to be honest <laughs> I'll say it I'll say it I Listen, we all we all had to make it work in different ways yeah. we all had to make it work in different ways so we're coming to the end of our conversation and I'll ask you what I ask absolutely everyone that comes on the show and you listen to the show so you know this but I may be thinking of like the Kirsty that was in the friendship group sort of realising that you were different at school and maybe realising that you weren't you know, fancying the same people as them or noticing the same people as them. If you could reach out to her or someone in a similar position right now, what would you say? I think a lot about this and how like kind of sport imitates life, life imitates sport, all that kind of stuff. And in sport, I found that it's, you're, you'll get the best outcome 
through like good choices, like a big pattern of good choices. So that is probably what I would say. And I know not everyone is afforded the same start and the same privileges in life, but I'm just like a big fan of trying to make good choices when you can, because I think there are certain things that you're in control of and there's absolutely things that you're not in control of. But if you can kind of give yourself the best chance, make some good decisions here and there and yeah, give yourself the best odds of succeeding in whatever way that that means to you, make good choices. I like that. I like making choices. I'm going to try and make a few today. Yeah. And finally, when I come to Glasgow, can I have a babington lesson? Hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay, yes. Let's do it. I'm dreadful. Hey, we all got to start somewhere. We all got to start somewhere. <laughs> I'm dreadful, but very keen. Enthusiasm. That, that's a good start. That's. I mean, that's all I have. I've got it in spades. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, really lovely to chat to you and to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for listening to Out With Susie Ruffle. I loved that conversation with Kirsty. I hope you did too. I will see you next week. If you want to get in touch, you always can. The email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. Do remember to listen to my other podcast, Like-Minded Friends with Tom Allen as well. Uh, maybe you'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a lot sillier than this one. Uh, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll be up for something a bit silly after, after some more serious chats on here. Anyway, I hope whatever you do, you're having a great week. And I'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye.